Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey guys, Buddy C. I have Lala and Kate and Craig and Marla with us today. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Yeah, talk to me. Uh, Gonna be a good one. It is. I was happy with 20, 2018, and I'm ready for a good 2019. Continue. Second verse, same as the first for me. <laughs> <laughs> Just continue on. You know what that means, Craig? Second verse, same as the first. Does that make sense to you? Uh, no, I'm empty. Okay. No, nothing. nothing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm back to work today, so nothing's making sense. Well, sorry. The little church I was raised in, they would they had they had uh, hymns with three, and most of them had four verses to the hymn. And so they would they would sing verses, and then they would skip one. And sometimes they would use the second verse, same as the first, meaning you sing the second verse of the hymn. Okay, so it's kind of a saying that it's just like it. You want it to be just like it was. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, uh, but that's a that's a typical thing here in the South, Craig. Uh, but uh, I want to talk for a minute. We talked last week about some of the characteristics of God, and one was one was emptiness, and I'd never really thought of God as being empty. So I did some study on that this week and just really meditated and prayed on that. I was in my meeting Sunday, and uh, somebody mentioned the serenity prayer. So I said, hmm, I wonder if that fits in the serenity prayer, because, you know, I learned that um, I could do some substitutes in the uh, in the steps. Like um, anywhere it said, God, I could put love, for example, and it worked. You know, I don't know if have y'all ever done that or looked at that. It works really well, actually. Um, it's, uh, let's see, give you an example of that. I grab my book right quick. Um, came to believe that love uh, could restore us to sanity. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of love as we understood love. So, I mean, you know, the words like love, you could reply, I mean, things like that, because God is love. So if our higher power is love, we should be able, you know, and the, and the book itself says that these steps are suggestive only. So don't anybody get their panties in a wad about, you know, playing with the steps, you know. But uh, I was looking at that and emptiness with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the emptiness to accept the things I cannot change. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Grant me uh, and the emptiness to change the things I can. And how about the emptiness to know the difference? (laughs) (laughs) You know, because everything that I'm seeing in all of our Tao stuff, is about making room. It's the usefulness is in the space, right? Talking mm-hmm. about the empty cup. It's the yeah. it's the emptiness that makes us useful. Uh, I was listening to to um, um, Andy the other day on Headspace, 
we was talking about separating yourself from your thoughts to leave some space there so that you could learn that your thoughts are not you. You know, and I was like, that's emptiness. He's talking about emptiness. You know, so I think we are not even to the tip of the iceberg on that. I mean, I think we, we just don't even, we can barely even see a glimpse of it. We have no idea what all is there with that. But uh, uh, just something to think about, something to think about. That has been really good for me this week. I've just started seeing emptiness everywhere trying to. You know, uh, it's um, you know, it's not God giving me the emptiness, really. It's uh, me realizing it's there because it's there the whole time, you know. Yeah, yeah. So you guys ready to proceed? Or y'all got any thoughts on that? Uh, too many. Too many? Okay. <laughs> it, it, it does make a lot of sense. Um, because the emptiness is already there. I think we just filled it with too much nonsense. Yeah. Because we'll fill it with ourselves, Craig. We yeah. won't, you know, we want it to be all about us. Yeah, we're filling it with too much nonsense. I mean, God grant me the, the, the serenity. You know, why, why would I want serenity from? Yeah. It's, it's, it's asking for something else for myself. Yeah. Uh, and it's something else I don't really need because I've got far too much on my plate as it is. Yeah. Because um, it's, uh, you, that even, uh, you know, Fits right in. Now, what I did too with that was anytime, you know, I, I come from a Christian background, so anytime that I get an idea like that, I want to see if I can find it somewhere in the Bible and in Christian thought, you know, because that still is my filter for most anything that I believe. I take through that filter. That's that's how I do it. So I said, okay, well, where can I find emptiness in that? And then I started thinking about. It. I said, it's everywhere. Because it's not the fact of being empty in the way that we think about it, I, I think. It's about being empty in that I'm not pursuing my own interests empty. You know, like uh, when Paul said, the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Same kind of thing. It's the surrender. It's that I don't have, I'm not pursuing my own agenda here. That kind of a thing, you know. So I think that's the key to the emptiness. Um, but anyway, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, I'm going to keep looking and digging into that. I'm sure we're going to see that. We've seen it before in here. I'm sure we're going to see it more as we continue because, you know, we're on chapter, what, 26 out of 81. So I know we're going to see that a lot more as we go forward. Um, you guys ready to jump into 26? Yeah. Let yeah. me share my uh, – if you can read for us, Kate – I'll let you go ahead, and if you would, please read the uh, um, read the right. translations. Sure. All right, chapter 26, the first translation. The heavy is the root of the light. The still is the master of unrest. Therefore, the sage traveling all day does not lose sight of his baggage. Though there are beautiful things to be seen, He remains unattached and calm. Why should the Lord of 10,000 chariots act lightly in public? To be light is to lose one's root. To be restless is to lose one's control. Second translation. The heavy is the root of the light. The unmoved is the source of all movement. Thus the master travels all day without leaving home. However splendid the views, she stays serenely in herself. Why should the lord of the country flit about like a fool? If you let yourself be blown to and fro, 
you lose touch with your root. If you let restlessness move you, you lose touch with who you are. Third translation. Heaviness is the basis of lightness. Stillness is the standard of activity. Thus the master travels all day without ever leaving her wagon. Even though she has much to see, she is at peace in her indifference. Why should the Lord of a thousand chariots be amused at the foolishness of the world? If you abandon yourself to foolishness, you lose touch with your beginnings. If you let yourself become distracted, you will lose the basis of your power. And the final translation. To be light on your feet, you need a steady mind. If your body is active, your mind should be relaxed. A master can travel long distances and still see everything she owns. She may be surrounded by beauty, but she isn't caught up in it. Why run around thoughtlessly? If you act lightly, you lose your bearings. If you act recklessly, you lose your self-control. It's about having a a really strong foundation, a basis, a, a, a God, something to... Something that forms your base, that no matter what happens, like a tree, you don't get blown over. That's part of what I got out of it. Mm-hmm. I like the, uh, I'm going to meet you. Is it Marla? Is that your dog, Marla? Yeah. I got it. <laughs> I thought it was my dog barking at the postman, but I'm thinking I don't have a dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I was looking at this, and I got a couple of things out of this. First, it talks about the heavy is the root of the light. The still is the master of unrest. The still is the master of unrest. So it's the stillness that overcomes the unrest. Back For me, back to meditation, back to... Mm-hmm. To, to all of that. Um, she's at peace in her indifference, surrounded by beauty, but she isn't caught up in it. If you let restlessness move you, you lose touch with who you are. And what I understand from all of the commentaries and things that I read about this is talking about being disturbed by your circumstances. And we'll talk about, Wayne Dyer goes into that, but uh, talking about uh, being distracted, uh, losing our self-control, acting recklessly uh, when we have responsibilities of the world. The uh, the Lord of 10,000 chariots, uh, they said, is a reference to your daily responsibilities. This is a, you know, mm-hmm. like a lot of these, this can really be talking about just everyday life. Uh, the master traveling all day without leaving home is talking about the journey of life, you know, that you stay grounded for the day, that you don't uh, let the things that's going on disturb you, so uh, that you remain content, uh, that things don't move you. Equanimity. Yes. Um, and if y'all want to, we'll go at, Any comments? Before we go to the commentaries, I know some things open up the commentaries for us to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Uh, why don't you go ahead, Craig, with the Derek Lynn? 
Yep, just give me a wee second. I'm an Bad right, so chapter 26. Heaviness is the root of lightness. Quietness is the master of restlessness. Therefore, the sages travel the entire day without leaving the heavy supplies. Even though there are luxurious sights, they are composed and transcend beyond. How can the lords of 10,000 chariots apply themselves lightly to the world? To be light is to lose one's root. To be restless is to lose one's mastery. So, I'm getting a lot of opposites in that, a lot of possible paradoxes um, coming through in that. The The first note in the translation is, heaviness here refers to the quality of gravitas in human affairs. Although Tao sages possess a gentle sense of humor, they are able to approach a situation with appropriate degree of seriousness when necessary. This attribute is often associated with deliberation and dignity. Lightness is the opposite, a frivolous disregard for the matter at hand. In this context, it is often associated with restlessness and carelessness. Travel refers to the journey of life, and the heavy supplies are the essentials. The most important stuff, the basics. Sages are the ones who traverse through life without ever losing track of the fundamental essence that make us human. Although there are many tempting sights of luxuries, the illusion of the material world that would distract us from the real goal, the sages remain unmoved. And lastly, 10,000 chariots is a metaphor for great responsibility. In life, when we encounter a great responsibility, whether it's an important project at work or starting a family or anything else, we need to approach it with sombre attitude and firm footing. Those who treat it lightly will be easily distracted and uprooted by the winds of adversity. Mm-hmm. Wow. So there's a good bit there. Yeah, so we have to take things seriously. <laughs> well, we have to be well grounded. Well, nobody told me that. <laughs> We're telling you now. No. <laughs> so that's a hard thing for a, a, an alcoholic addict is to be grounded. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 um, what I picked up on that is the um, is, is lightness is the opposite. A frivolous, a frivolous disregard to, for the matter at hand. And many, times, many times did I just say, "Oh, just whatever. I'm not interested." You know, something serious comes up, and I'm like, I panic because. I don't know how to handle it because I'm, I'm just like used to drinking my problems away or managing to slip my way out of actually having to do something responsible. Um, I noticed that the other day we were, I was having, having a discussion with uh, my wife and it was to do with the mortgage. Um, so the mortgage up in the house is, is up for renewal. So we're looking for different rates. I think to myself, why am I doing this? this? This is things that adults should be doing. And then <laughs> kind of... It kind of clicked that it says, yeah, we need your signature. You're one of the adults. So um, so congratulations. I now have responsibilities. All right. Um, what else I find interesting about that is um, when I was talking about the um, it was talking about the journey, because I, I couldn't figure that out in the, the other translations. Um, it was talking about the, the sages traveling and they never lose sight of the baggage. Um, I, never put, I never thought of that as a journey of life. Um, just for some reason, I've just I've just become distracted from it, 
Um, and when it's talking about the baggage, I thought to myself, baggage, that's a couple of kids, a couple of dogs, you know, that's that, that, that's baggage. But where it's talking about the, the basics and the essentials in life that you need, um, loving relationships, uh, accountability, um, just, your, just your basic needs, um, that kind of hit home when I was reading that. So um, I got quite a lot of that Derek Lynn translation. Yes, that is good. That is good. Um, I was I was a bit confused with the the because I think three out of the four translations talked about the ten thousand chariots. Now, I know we've discussed before that the ten thousand is everything, but I'd never heard of anything described as the ten thousand chariots. Um, and the the note on that was it's, it's a metaphor for great responsibility. Um, They've talked about the 10,000 things as being the entire world. They, yeah. it seems, they seem to use the 10,000 to mean everything. Yeah. So, I, I like the idea of the 10,000 chariots because it's a really good visual of um, if you're going to take things lightly, the chariots are going to like run off in all different directions. Yeah. You, know, you don't really have a firm grasp on things. If you're just like, oh, and, you know, kind of frivolously, but – if you're in charge of 10,000 chariots, you really do need to be grounded and you can't do things lightly. You have to have a firm grasp and a you know firm resolve. So I like that, I, just the visual of it. You know, and what, what I understand from alcoholism, um, I imagine for drug addiction too, uh, when you, they say that when you start drinking, you stop maturing. When you start drinking? Yes. You at the age that you start. Maturity. You stay at your maturity level. So I was like 13 for a really long time. Exactly. And so, the, see, that's, that's part of this, is that here we are. We may be 35, 40 years old when we come in, and, we, you know, if we've been drinking since we were 15 or 12 or whatever, we stop maturing at that time. So here we are. We're 35, 15-year-olds, you know. <laughs> And so we never learned responsibility because we shirked it or someone else did it for us, you know. So I, think, I think that's really where I am at the moment, kind of realizing the, the fact that, you know, it's, it's not a joke anymore. You've got more than one dynamic happening there too, Craig, because yeah. not only have you shirked the responsibility for those years, yeah. someone else has taken those responsibilities up that you should have been handling. So now you've got a relationship with a spouse that you have to work that relationship out and work those things out with them now. So, and that's addressed in the big book too, that they talk about that a lot about the family afterward, you know, and how you, uh, uh, how things change once you, you know, once, you know, if the man sobers up, how the wife has been taking all the responsibilities all this time and how, you know, and there's a lot of healing to take place there. Not only in, you know, not only with you, but with the family too. So there's a, that's, that's why working the steps and having a sponsor and doing all those things is so important because um, you've got someone there who's been through this before you and can, can, uh, can help with some of that and has some experience with those things a lot of times. So I know in my situation, even though I was a uh, business owner, uh, gosh, we built a house, a personal house, and I don't remember doing anything with the house whatsoever. Nothing. What do you mean? What do you mean? I mean? 
my wife built it. Oh, my okay. wife and my father, they built it. They did everything. I didn't lift one finger. I worked. But now if it were, if I were to build a house, gosh, I'd be doing half the work. You I mean, it'd be totally different, you know. Yeah. And I just shirked my responsibilities that whole time, you know. And I remember before I was drinking heavy, uh, my wife and I bought a house at foreclosure and fixed it up. And, gosh, it was the difference between what I did in that house and what I did on the one later in my drinking are like night and day. So, um, you know, I was thinking about that the other day, that how irresponsible I was, even in that regard, you know. So um, there, there's a lot of healing for us to allow to happen in our lives, you know, when we uh, when we start, you know, acting like adults. We, um, I think, just going back to the mortgage, we're, we're, we're in the last 10 years of the mortgage. And I remember at the time it was a 25-year mortgage we took out. Wow. And thinking to myself, where the hell did that last 15 years go? I know, I know time tends, tends to fly a little bit quicker when you get older or if you're enjoying yourself, but I really can't remember much of those stuff. All I can remember is painting. That's, that's all I seem to have done in the past 15 years. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I see what Buddy's talking about. Just I don't, I don't remember much of it buying, buying the house. It was always Louise that led the, the way on that. It was, always, it was always somebody else that was in the back of it. Um, it was always somebody else that dealt with the finances for it. Um, and all having to deal with something like that. Um, the last time I went to do this was uh, five years ago, so I was still drinking quite heavy five years ago. Um, so, again, it's, it's just one of those things I've, I've always said, like, just, just whatever, just, it, it doesn't concern me. Why are you, why are you bothering me with this? I've, I've got beer to be drinking. I've got important things to be doing. So my priorities were definitely in the, in the wrong place. Um, and it's good what Lala was saying about the, the, the 10,000 chariots just running away. It has. Um, and I think we're slowly just getting hold of these 10,000 chariots and just corralling them back into the one unit rather than having them all over the place. So that was, that was a great analogy. Well done. Well done, Lord, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I'm, you know um, following up on yours, Craig, when I first got married, um, I was I didn't stop really I didn't start recovery till two thousand eight. So when I got married, I really let my husband take over everything. Bills, the decisions, and I thought this is the way I'm gonna have to live my life is he's gonna he's gonna dictate everything. Because I was incapacitated being a dysfunctional alcoholic. But um, fortunately, that's turned around a bit. And I've taken quite a bit of control <laughs> of uh, everything. Is, she ha- is he happy with that, Marla? He actually is. That's good. Yeah, he actually is. Because he's a baby, too. So he doesn't want responsibilities. You know, I, I have had more guys that I have sponsored that their wives were upset that they stopped drinking, that, that the changes that took place afterward, yeah, not the fact that they stopped, which they were happy they had stopped, but they didn't realize what all would have to be worked out afterward. It's going to be more than just them stop drinking, you know, and um, it's a, it, that's a tough, that's a tough walk, especially those two, three years, uh, first two to three years after you stop and you start, wait a minute, why are we spending money here? Why we, Why do you care now? You haven't cared for 20 years that I've done. 
<laughs> you know, and, and they have to, I said, I said, you have to learn how to work all these things out. And you, you have to have a crash course in being an adult, really. It's you really do. You really do. It's, uh, it's, that's the tough part of getting sober is you have to mature mm-hmm. and uh, start acting like your age. I kind of I, I think sometimes I'm just meddling in. I'm, I'm just meddling in things that I should just leave best alone. Um, again, we're, we're talking about the mortgage. We're talking about different finances and different different projects I want to work on this year. And the, the main one is saving money. So I'm sat down. <laughs> I'm sitting there. He's like, we can, we can save money here. We can save money there. And she's like, you know, my life must have come to something really drastic if you're sitting here telling me how to manage my money. <laughs> <laughs> she's a banker, right? Yeah, yeah, she works in finance, yeah. (laughs) 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 Meanwhile, I I, 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 I struggle to have two pennies to rub together by the end of the month. I I always have more month at the end of my wages um, than than I I did before in the past two years. Um, And just you talking about maturing, does anybody else still ask if they can get a suite if they're in the house? Does anybody else say, do you mind if I get a suite? (laughs) Or is it just me? It's just you, Greg. It is just you. I just take what I want now. <laughs> Don't ask. Okay. Wayne Dyer. Okay. Dr. Dyer has some good uh, stuff today. All right, so I'm going to reread the verse. Please. Um, 26th verse. The heavy is the root of the light. The still is the master of unrest. Realizing this, the successful person is poised and centered in the midst of all activities. Although surrounded by opulence, he is not swayed. Why should the lord of the country flit about like a fool? If you let yourself be blown to and fro, you'll lose touch with your root. To be restless is to lose one's self-mastery. This is all yoga, too. Yeah, definitely. in this chapter of the Tao Te Ching, you, you're being advised to maintain a sense of serenity regardless of what you may see taking place around you. Moreover, you're being told that the true master knows that the ability to stay calm is always located within. From this perspective, there's no need to assign responsibility to others for how you feel. Even though you may live in a world where blame and fault-finding are endemic, you will own your feelings and actions. You'll know that circumstances don't determine your state of mind, for that power rests with you. When you maintain a peaceful inner posture in the midst of chaos, you change your life. The wisdom of this verse of the Tao Jing prompts you to know that you have a choice. Do you want to be in a state of confusion or to have a tranquil inner landscape? It's up to you. Armed with this insight, the Tao Master doesn't allow an external event to be a disturbance. Lao Tzu tells you that assigning blame for your lack of calmness will never bring you to the state of being that you're striving to attain. Self-mastery only blossoms when you practice being aware of and responsible for what you're feeling. Fourth step. This particular part of the Tao is one that you'll probably want to immerse yourself in repeatedly. After all, what can be better than the freedom of going through life without feeling that people and circumstances control you without your permission? Are you depressed, irritated, frustrated, exhilarated, 
ecstatically in love, whatever your current state, you believe that a changing economic picture or a tapestry of events taking place around you is responsible. And you then use these external factors to explain your inner state of mind. You've lost touch with your root. Why? Because you're allowing yourself to be blown to and fro by the shifting winds of circumstance. The solution for a life of unrest is choosing stillness. The quiet of the Tao is oblivious to any turmoil in the world of the 10,000 things. Be like the Tao, advises Lao Tzu. The still is the master of unrest. You have a choice in every moment, so you can decide to be a host to God and carry around with you the calmness that is the Tao, or you can be a hostage to your ego, which insists that you can't really help feeling disorderly when you're in circumstances that resemble pandemonium. Here's what Lao Tzu offers to you in this profoundly simple passage. From the profoundly simple life, he chose, he chose 2,500 years before yours. Vow to seek a calm inner response to the circumstances of your life. In the midst of any kind of unrest, be it an argument, a traffic jam, a monetary crisis, or anything at all, make the immediate decision that you will find the calm center of yourself by not thinking of what's taking place and instead taking a few deep deep breaths in which you opt to empty your mind of judgments. It becomes impossible to mentally flit about like a fool. You have the innate ability to choose calmness in the face of situations that drive others to madness. Your willingness to do so, especially when chaos and anger have been your previous choices, puts you in touch with the master of unrest. There was a time when I thought this was impossible. Now I know that even in the most troublesome of times, my reaction is to choose stillness, the way of the devil. I think there's a lot in here that relates to um, addiction and recovery. Like, like flitting about, where was that one? Right. You know, in our addiction, we were just doing that. And now, and losing touch with our root, you know, but now uh, that we're in recovery, we need to be in touch with our root and not be, I don't know, remember exactly the term that it used, but yeah, flitting about like a fool. Yeah, don't flit around. Right? Because we were doing that. And I was thinking about, like, in the first translation, it says, though there are beautiful things to be seen, he remains unattached and calm. And it made me, and I don't know how Wayne Dyer said something about, like, opulence. Um, but I was thinking about how that kind of seems like the way, like, it's like fall. I mean, things are beautiful, but it's like false beautiful things that are distracting us from the, what reality is and how in like, that's how my addiction kind of plays with my head. And it tells me like, go, go use drugs. It's really fun. They're really great. You'll feel really good, you know, but those are not, that's not, it's not real beauty. That's not real good, beautiful things that I should go move towards. It's like a false sense of beauty that I need to remain unattached and calm from because that's not that's not reality. 
So it looks like a beautiful, opulent thing to me, but it's not, that's not really something I should be going towards. So in my recovery, I need to remain unattached and calm from that false sense of beauty, that beautiful thing that looks like it's a beautiful thing, but actually it's addiction and all the horrors of addiction. Well said, Kate. How about this one, Kate? This is from the 12 and 12. Step 10. Step 10. It is a spiritual axiom that every time we are disturbed, no matter what the cause, there's something wrong with us. Yes. <laughs> Does that not apply to this? I mean, it applies. <laughs> you know, it's always something wrong with me. Yeah, exactly. You know, if, if say, what, how do they say it? If I'm not the problem, there's not a solution. I never heard that. Yeah, they say it here all the time. I hear it. seems like I hear it way too much. <laughs> I do not want to be the problem, you know. But uh, in other words, I got to look within. You know, I got to look within is where my answers are. And isn't that, that's step, step work. It's fourth stepping, basically. It is. It's everything we do, really, all of all of this truth that we learn, no matter if we're reading it from a 2,500-year-old document or a, you know, a 100-year-old document or 80-year-old document. It doesn't matter. Or a blog post from yesterday. If it's not telling us to look within, it's probably not uh, the truth. <laughs> if it's telling us to blame someone else for our issues, then I would – think twice so i would i'd get a second opinion because uh not only you know if we're the problem that means that we have the solution too that should be an encouraging thing not a discouraging thing that is encouraging because we can resolve our own issues yes we have everything we need already it's already there we don't have to go looking for it somewhere else. It's all within already. It's a skill, though. You have to, for me, I had to um, still have to build up a skill because in, in addiction, in active addiction, um, I was, there's no grounding in that. There's no, you know, there's no feeling, there's no sense of settlement when you're in the throes of addiction. Except when you're taking drugs. Kate, what you're saying is so true and that's so applicable that um, if I'm if I'm looking within, I'm probably going to be grounded. I'm not going to be chasing something off that's not going to be to my best interest. Yeah. So prob- probably that thing I'm looking at is that you're looking at that's the wrong or the drug, the whatever it is. Is probably outward, not within, right? Right. Yeah. Did you have something, Lala? Were you going to say something? Oh, I no, I was just going to say what was kind of one of my things I wanted to, I don't, I don't like the word resolution, but for the year of um, not looking externally to find stillness because it's not sustainable. It's just um, avoidance or it's 
a distraction, um, you know, and I'm talking about external and other things than drugs and alcohol, just anything external is not sustainable. You, You really do have to go within to get grounded for, um, serenity Mm -hmm. so so the still is the master of unrest so where do we find the stillness that's what we're talking about right and and in being still we remain unattached and calm so what is our warning to tell us that we're not remaining unattached and <laughs> calm. What can we see as a red flag for this? For me, it's losing my peace. And that's anxiety. Yeah, yeah. It's If I'm upset in some way, if I'm disturbed, like I just read from page 90 in the 12 and 12, I need to say, whoa, wait a minute. Why am I disturbed? Used to, that disturbance could go all day long, and I wouldn't even realize I was disturbed. And I would be knee-deep in it. All right, wait a minute. Why am I mad? (laughs) I've been mad all day. Why is this? You know, um, now I lose it, and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I don't like that anymore. Why am I angry? You know, and I see it so much faster. Not always as quick as I need to, but I see it faster than I used to. So it's definitely a process, but. And we have such great tools that we learn. We we are so fortunate in what how we learn to to look at life. That's good. It was interesting with the the Wayne Dyer translations. He was talking about circumstances, and being back at work today, I've, I've managed to catch up on a couple of the podcasts. Um, and Sean Crogson had one, and uh, Ram Das was talking about you're not your circumstances. I think it's just just interesting the way it's came up. Um, we were talking about not being your thoughts. Um, what Ram Das was talking about, you're not your circumstances as well. So if you're if you're rooted in addiction, that's that's the circumstance. But you, you're, you're not that circumstance. There's always a way out. Um, and he was talking about having to find the best way for you. And he was saying that you know usually the best way out is is within you. Um, so if somebody else is saying it, must be true. <laughs> uh, you have the choice in every moment. So you can decide to be a host to God and carry around with you the calmness that is the Tao, or you can be a hostage to your ego, which insists that you can't really help feeling disorderly when you're in circumstances that resemble pandemonium. Host or hostage, which do we want to be? Host. Host. (laughs) <laughs> right now, I want to be a host. <laughs> uh, choose stillness. His uh, doing the Tao is about, he says that uh, he has an affirmation for this week, too. I have the ability to stay poised and centered regardless of what goes before me. That is his affirmation for the week. And his do the dial now is to sit in a quiet place. Let's do this real quick. We've got time. Yeah. We're on time today. Let's, let's do this one. 
sit in a quiet place and picture the one person with whom you have some kind of long-standing conflict. Picture that person sitting there before you. Now say out loud directly to him or her, I forgive you. I surround you with love and light, and I do the same for myself. This will put the message of the 26th verse of Tao Te Ching to work for you by bringing about a sense of calm. That's doing a fourth step. I forgive you. I surround you with love and light, and I do the same for myself. That is the actual action to bring up, to get you back into that calm place. Yep. It's, you know, we, we have the answer. We have the answer, guys. And thank goodness for that. How, how much, uh, how do y'all handle resentments when you have a, an issue with someone? Um, you know, we're taught in the program. What are you grinning about, Craig? <laughs> I've, I've had this conversation with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know how I handle resentments. I handle them long. <laughs> I, handle, I, handle them. I handle them for a long time. I like to think of my resentments. I like to play with them and just... Uh... Get them around a bit, yep. <laughs> um, you know, we, we're taught, you know, if, if you look in the big book, 552 talks about resentments and that you pray. Um, uh, the, the example given there is praying for someone for two weeks for what you want. Uh, and then if you'll do that, even if you don't mean it, even if, you know, the words are empty words, do it anyway. And you'll see that you come to mean it over a course of time. So it's, it's one of those acting our way into right thinking. Sometimes we just have to take the action be it empty or not, and we'll follow that action. Our heart will follow that action. So, uh, and that's what uh, uh, Dyer's talking about here is he didn't say do it if you felt like it or you do it if you felt they wronged you. He said just do it. Yes, just do it. <laughs> just do it. You know, just do it. I've always, I've pretty much followed that advice when I have a resentment against another person is try and pray for them as much as possible. I have a sliding scale. Takes a while, it takes a while to yeah. forgive somebody if they've really wronged you. Well, and it's not for their benefit, Marla, it's for yours. Right. It, it's not to benefit them. They're, chances are they'll probably never... Never, they, they may never know that you, you know, that this is going on. You know, it may be something where you have to do a physical amends or talk to them. But for the most part, most resentments or anger I have, the person I'm angry at never even knows I'm angry at them because a lot of it's not even real stuff. <laughs> where they don't realize they've done something to you. And right. Not intentional. So it's, right. just, it's just ignorance. It's yeah. On their part. And for the most part, people don't really understand that they've hurt you. They, they don't know that they've hurt you. And so there seems to be no point in getting angry with them. Since they're ignorant, they are ignorant. So A, a lot of times, out my anger is based on fear on my end. Most usually isn't. It, that's what I've always come down to is fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. Seems to be my basis <laughs> 
there's our pride, something to do with my pride or ego. I mean, it's always and something deep down that, you know, um, I don't want them to, you know, some, some base fear for me really is the majority of it. But uh, I've got a scale I use. I'll start, <laughs> with, I'll start with praying the will of God for them. I want to do the least I have to do. I've got someone to that uh, I need to deal with with the resentment. I mean, I'll do the very least. I'll show you all my scale. This is my scale. It's like a dial. It starts over here and goes this direction. So, so I, I, I up the ante every if I don't get relief, right? So I just do as much as I need. So I start with praying the will of God for them. I could do that for anyone, no matter how mean or evil the person is. I could pray the will of God for them because that's not good or bad. Sometimes that's enough. If not, I'll pray for good things for them. That doesn't work. I'll pray everything for them that I want. Uh, and I'll keep doing that. And if that doesn't work, now I just I try to skip on to uh, uh, sending love their way, and I'll, I'll start thinking loving thoughts toward them, you know, at this point. And if none of that works... I'll uh, try to do something good for them if I can some way. And if none of that works, I'll have to spend money on them. I'll figure out a way to do something for them. Uh, and if it gets down to that, then, uh, or spend time with them, uh, that's mainly with family and, um, and folks I know, you know, that I would have to do, but, uh, but, or like, for example, I have a resentment. Let's say I have a resentment against the uh, state patrol because they gave me a ticket. Okay. I can pray for them. I pray every time I see a car. Uh, I smile every time I smile at the Georgia state patrol car. Have you ever tried smiling? Just smiling. Just, and it makes you feel better. I don't know what that is. It's, it looks dumb as dirt if somebody saw me doing it, you know? <laughs> But but it works. It's contagious. Yes. So I, you know, I'll do that. I'll pray for every officer I see. Now I haven't had any kind of resentment against them in years, but this is the way I dealt with it. And if I use this as an example, and then if I could not get over it, I'd find some benevolent organization to make a donation to that benefited the state patrol. You know, if I had to, I'd spend money. But uh, um, but like if I've got family members that I have issue with. Next time we're all out to eat, I buy their dinner. And I do that because it's a way for me to, you know, make an amend and get over those things if I have any kind of kind of resentment there. But uh, the important thing is that's not for them. It's for us, you know, because all of this goes back to us being able to live undisturbed, a life of peace and joy, so that no matter what's going on, that we're free. You know that we're free. Something interesting just happened when I was we were doing that exercise. Just when you're looking at the person and you're thinking good things about them, and then you're talking about base fears. Now I've, I've just came to the realization that my base fear is of being wrong, and that this other person's right. But I don't have I, I don't have I don't have that maturity that I can let it go yet. I still want to. As long as you're aware that you don't have the maturity yet. <laughs> There's something in me that still wants me to say, yeah, but are you sure you aren't wrong? 
And I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) Something I'm working on, Craig, is surrendering, number one, the need to be right. Number two, the need for someone to be wrong. Well, I'm a married man, so I'm never right. So I can I can cross that off my list. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, there there's so much down deep that it takes so many years to 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 get honest enough, really, to where we're able to deal with these things. But the more we deal with the uh, the more peaceful life we can have, and the more of those was it law more of those uh, ten thousand chariots that. Uh, that won't get out of control on us. That's a visual. Oh. <laughs> so that's all about surrender. This whole thing, surrender, you know, it's surrender. Cause the stillness is what does it. It's not education. It's not a manipulation. It's stillness that manages the unrest. The disturbance is managed by stillness. Which goes back to the emptiness we were talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what is it about stillness that's so so great? It's empty. Yes. Yes. Because it, the, the answers are not of our own accord. It's about us learning to let go and learning to be and and laying aside those those ego-driven assignments that we give ourselves <laughs> and letting that stuff go, mm-hmm. surrendering it. <sighs> good stuff. Any other comments, guys? That's good. Yep. So it's about living undisturbed. If I'm disturbed, I need to look inside and see why I'm, why I'm at unrest and turn those things over and that we have the ability to live an undisturbed life if we learn to let go that'd be nice Mm. (laughs) i think we're all getting there though don't you think i mean as best as possible i don't you know it's for humans i don't think it's we'll ever get there 100 percent. but if i think there's it's just a practice look look now marla let's say okay first of the year a year ago are you at rest more now than you were a year ago? That's Probably. a good question. Yeah, definitely. Because, uh, yeah, my practice, my yoga practice has evolved and I've evolved. Yeah, I work at it, of course, which is what we have to do if we want to be in recovery is work at it. Mm-hmm. So if I'm, I, I'm definitely at rest more than I was a year ago. Yeah. I think we all can say yes to that, right? So I, I think that's the goal is to keep this maturing. I, I was listening to someone they were talking about you could you could liken this walk to a uh, climbing a mountain. People get to particular places, see particular views, and they stop. They say, well, I'm happy with this. And then others keep going up, and they'll, they'll stop at different places, and some stop and stay, and some will stop for a little while and then start again, you know, and all of that. And it's really none of our business where other people stop. It's up to us where we want to stop, you know, or if we want to stop at all or get to like what you were talking about, Marla, and get to a place of peace and everything, a place of rest, you know. Um, so we'll see, you know, and I, I'm still climbing. That's for sure. Yeah, if, if 
you know, one of my things is I, I have to be perfect at recovery, um, and I wanted to be well right away. I've had to surrender to the fact that it's that's never going to happen. It's got, it's a practice. Things will evolve. I'll evolve. So that's what perfection, I think, is. Marla is 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 being open and being surrendered to that. You know, because I don't think we'll ever do this entirely perfect in our thinking. Uh, it'll never be. Um, but um, but we can we can definitely have peace and joy in more moments of our day. Yeah, that's, that's sort of more realistic. If you, if you think about evolution of humans, um, you know, well, the Tao Te Ching was written 2,500 years ago, same with uh, Buddha, the sutras and all that. We haven't evolved in 2,500 years. I mean, we're still talking about stuff that was written 2,500 years ago and trying to attain that. Humans haven't really evolved since humans haven't evolved. That's all I would say. And and that was written about the ancients of that time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it was it was much it was much more than just twenty five hundred years ago. Exactly. So you know what? We're just trying to be better human beings. We're under construction. That's all I can say. Yep. Okay, guys. That's good. I think we got some good meat out of that. Do y'all have uh, anything else to add, or we're going to stop it there? Are we good? We're good. Nice to meet you, Lala. Nice to meet you, too. Thank you, everybody. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Oh, don't forget, uh, we are starting the uh, Letting Go meeting on Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. So... Um, it's, if you like this, I think you're going to like that because, uh, it really all is how it's how to turn your will and your life over to the care of God. Really is what it is. It's how to do step three, how to do a third step really is what it's about. It's about how to surrender and example after example of surrender and how to do it really. And it's really, it's made a big difference for me. Um, I just finished reading the whole book and marking it up and, you know, all that. and um, But I've listened to it multiple times and still listening again to sections of it. So, but I hope to see you guys Monday night. If not, I'll see you next Thursday, hopefully. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars, Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.